This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. A guest speaker is featured on this message. It's wonderful to be together. Uh, we had a conference in here this weekend, Friday and Saturday. It was really a wonderful time. Thanks to those, those of you who prayed and those of you who came. It was for small group leaders. It uh, churches represented from five churches and a church plant that's uh, yet to start. But uh, it was just a wonderful time together. God met us. So thank you for uh, praying and all that you did there t- to help support that. Uh, we have guest speaker today, guest preacher I want to introduce. We're taking a one-week break out of the book of Acts. And um, and I'm excited to introduce to you John Payne today. Um, you may recognize his last name. His dad is one of our pastors. So if you're new here, Pete is one of our pastors. This is John, his son, who is a pastor in Phoenix. John will be planting a church, leading a team that's planting a church in Round Rock, Texas, which is north of the Austin area. They're going to be moving in May, and then they're going to actually start that church in the fall. You may not have met John before, but you've, you've seen him if you've been around, because last fall, this is the guy that we Skyped in. Do you remember that? That Sunday we did the Prepare for the Square series, and we had a guy with about an eight-foot face up on the screen uh, Skyping in, talking with a live interview about the church plan. John spoke at the Small Group Leaders Conference, one of the speakers, we had a bunch of speakers, he was one of them over the weekend, so we just asked him to stick around while back invited him, if he would just stick around and speak this morning. A couple things about John before he comes, and then I'll just, I want to maximize his time to morning, uh, this morning. Uh, John is a man with wisdom well beyond uh, his years, and that was very obvious at the conference yesterday. He spoke on patience, and this will be a message that you can, all the messages from the conference will be available as soon as they're uploaded on our website, so you could listen to that. Uh, it was an outstanding message about patience and God's patience with us and how God's patience with us inspires our patience to others, with others. Uh, so, John, that was outstanding. There's a couple of things I really appreciate about you as I've gotten to know you over the years. And one of the reasons um, we wanted to have you speak today, John, one is um, you are a, a humble young man. I, whenever I'm with you or whenever I've observed you with others, you are always posturing yourself as a learner. You're always asking questions. Uh, you're always seeking to learn from others. And people who posture themselves as learners and ask a lot of questions at some point um, are given opportunity to give answers. And uh, so we want you to bring some answers today. And secondly, you are such an encourager. I shared this at the conference. But I have been so blessed by your encouragement over the years. And, and you don't just bring general encouragement like a pat on the back. Hey, that's, you're a great guy. Uh, but you bring biblical scripture to bear. And so one of the reasons I was excited about having you preach here today uh, is because uh, we, I don't know about you, but I could use some encouragement. Um, and we wanted to receive from your teaching gift and from your gift of encouragement and uh, ask that you would bring God's word to bear today to stir us and encourage us. So we're excited about your plant. We have been praying for you, um, and uh, we are excited to hear from you this morning. So could we welcome John as he comes to bring God's word to us this morning? Well, good morning, everyone. I've received a a few introductions in my life, but the Skype guy with the eight-foot face has to be somewhat unique, I think. I'm hoping that doesn't become like a nickname in Texas. Who's the Skype guy with the eight-foot face in Austin? It would would actually fit into the general population's view of Austin that... (laughs) 
their pastor has an eight-foot face, and he's a Skype guy. So anyway, I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't stick, but thank you, Craig, for the nickname. I appreciate it. Uh, this morning, Craig has invited me to preach out of Matthew. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, and uh, we're just going to look actually at a, a few verses, but they'll be familiar, and I hope they will be encouraging uh, to all of us this morning. Matthew 11, chap- chapter, chapter 11, verse 28. Verse 28, we're just going to look at 28 through 30. And as you turn there, uh, I want to remind you of something that many of you would would either know this experience or you've seen it happen in someone else. So I trust it'll be somewhat familiar. And that is when a, a father has a very young child, perhaps a newborn, six months and under, and they're home from the hospital and the newborn is going to sleep. And then there's that, that wonderful moment in the life of every father, or really any person who's ever held a newborn, when they relax, their breathing becomes measured, and they fall asleep on their father's shoulder. So if, if you're a father, you, you know that moment. There's just nothing like it in the world. You feel at that moment that you could hold up the globe because this little person is resting everything they are on you. They're trusting you. They're resting on you. They're not supporting themselves at all. They're not clinging at all. They're just resting. And certainly for me personally, with my my three children, uh, there's just been... Those little moments, dark moments at night, when that relaxation occurs and they, they rest and they cease sort of fighting the fatigue and they, they just relax. And in that moment, there's just a delight that comes to my heart. I'm sure you know that as well. If you've ever held a baby, seen somebody hold a baby, you know what that's like. It's just, it's, it's a remarkable, profound moment. I believe the joy we experience as fathers, as adults in those moments, pales in comparison to the joy God feels when we do that with Him. I believe there is great joy in the heart of God when His children relax, when they rest. I don't think we can even come close to understanding that joy when when, when His children rest in Him. I think it is, it is a great joy. Obviously, it is an honor to his strength, to his trustworthiness. But there is a, a joy in the heart of God. It, it is what he has always wanted. It's what he created us to be and to do. It's, it's really why he created the world. So that he could experience, he, he didn't need to experience this, but he wanted to experience that moment when his children rested on him. If you want to know what God wants, what what does God want? That's what he wants. He wants children that will rest on him. Now, for many of us, and certainly for me, weariness is the normal experience of our life. That's certainly true for me. I live in this perpetual state of weariness. Times it just can be exasperating. 
I, I, I can be weary physically. That, that's, what, that's what most frequently comes to mind. I mean, every day, I can't even go 24 hours, and, and the older I get, it's, it's less than that. It's like 12 hours. Weariness just starts to seep into my, my body, and I can feel the, the energy level decreasing. And that, that's just 24 hours. I can't even make it a day. My body starts to say, yeah, this is a lot to stay awake like this. Beyond physical weariness, there's, there's emotional weariness. Every couple of days, I, I just, I'll have a moment, some point or another, where I'm, I'm discouraged about something. Or I'm saddened about something. And this kind of emotional weariness will seep into my heart. I just feel sad. I feel the need for some lift from somewhere. Maybe it's at the end of a long day or the, the end of a wearisome piece of news. And I just feel that, you know, that, that is, that, that heart that just kind of sinks. Some, some news that comes, you think, oh, that, that's sad. I don't like to hear that. It, it feels like a, a burden sort of pressing you down. And, and beyond the emotional side, there, there's spiritual weariness. Spiritual weariness comes along where you feel this, this sense of, oh, I've, I've failed again. Oh, I, I was tempted again. Oh, I, I didn't read the Bible again. Oh, how long has it been? And oh, I, I forgot to, to pray again. Oh, we've been in a fight with my spouse. And oh, I, I, I did that same thing I said I wouldn't do last time. Here I am a few hours later and I'm realizing, oh, I've, I just, I didn't serve her again. Or my child just, oh, they, 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 colored on the wall and they did it again but, but I said I wasn't going to yell at them but then I did it again oh I, I said I wasn't going to grumble and complain about work and I said I was going to have a, a joyful heart I remember the message last Sunday it said to be joyful and I, I said I was going to but then I did it again and there's this sense of, of spiritual weariness we feel a, a kind of a, a psalm like how long O oh Lord I'm weary I'm, my body's weary and my, my emotions are sad sometimes and, and I'm spiritual. There's just weariness. Lord, when, when, when will I find relief from this? We, we feel that way, do we? I mean, I mean really, it, it's, if it wasn't so sad, it would really be comical, honestly. I mean, we're really sort of pathetic, actually. We, we, we can't make it very long without something just depressing us. And sometimes it's, it's really lame things. Like, you know, I'm... I'm 20 minutes late for work, for, you know, because, you know, traffic was bad and, and we're just bummed out for the whole day. 20 minutes can ruin my day. One piece of news can just crush me for the whole week, right? We're, we're kind of fragile like that. Like John Piper says, we're emotionally fragile culture. But then sometimes it's, it's truly grievous things. And they, they press on us and they weigh us down and we're weary. Now, what do you do with weariness. We all know the experience. Sometimes it lingers. Sometimes it's brief and recurring. But what do you do with weariness? What do I do with weariness? What does God want us to do with weariness? Have you ever thought of weariness as an invitation? Have you ever thought of the, the experience of weariness as an invitation, let me distinguish something just, just briefly. We're always dependent. We're always actually weak. Like, we can't make ourselves breathe. We can't make the world go around. We can't make ourselves wake up in the morning. We can't do any of those things, right? We're always dependent, and yet we don't always 
feel dependent. So weariness or weakness is the experience of knowing what we always are. It's when our eyes are opened and we see what we're actually like all the time. But we just were deluded and we thought we were a lot stronger. So we're actually weak and dependent all the time. But then there's these, these moments and we feel it. It's there. It's emotional. We can identify it. I feel vulnerable. I feel weak. I feel weary right now. Now, when that transition happens and we go from I'm actually weak, but I'm not really aware of it, to I am aware of how weak I am. What do you do right then? What is that illumination supposed to be? Because it comes from the Lord. That little insight comes from the Lord. He's the one that opens the eyes of our heart to realize that you, you are weak. Why is he doing that for? And we, we might even ask it frustratedly, what are you doing that for? Why are you making me feel weak? Can't I just be deceived the rest of my life? Why, why do I have to feel weak? I like the illusion. I'd rather feel strong. Why feel weak? Lord, why open my eyes? Shut them again. Send me back to bed. I don't want to feel weak. I don't want to feel tired. I just want to be asleep in my ignorance. Don't, Lord, I, I don't want to feel weak. Why? Why is that? Well, here's what it is. In the Bible, weariness, weakness, that experience, that illumination, you know what that is? That's an invitation. That's an invitation from the Lord. That's just like a card coming in the mail. When those eyes open, that's God talking. And here's what he's saying. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let me ask God to help us walk through this passage. Father, thank you that you delight for us to rest on you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you invite us to you. And Lord, it's hard for us to do it. But we do thank you for the illumination of weariness. But we thank you for it. Because we don't want to be deluded into trusting our own strength. So we thank you for it and we want to respond to your invitation this morning by looking at this passage. We ask that we would feel the strength of your shoulder, your hands. And that we would rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Into our experience, Jesus issues a startling and gracious invitation. He says, come. Come to me for rest. Come to Jesus for rest. And this passage communicates that if we come to Jesus, we will experience two different blessings that are very related. They're inter intertwined. But two blessings, coming to Jesus for rest, seeing our weariness as an invitation, not rejecting it, not denying it, but accepting it as an invitation. 
And so we come to him. First, we come for rest. We come for rest. This is verse 28. We come to Jesus. And why do we come? We come to rest. We come to rest. You, you look down there. It says, come to me. Verse 28. Look, look down there in your Bibles. Come to me. Hear the voice of the Lord saying this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, if, if, if you're looking with me, I think there's, there's about three things there we can point out. There's a call, there's a condition, and there's a promise. The call is to come to Jesus. And it's important to recognize that this is a command. It's a gentle command, but it is a command. And sometimes when we're weary, we need commands. We need commands. We need commands when we're weary because somebody just to tell me what to do. Have you ever had that experience? Just tell me what to do. Well, we've been told what to do. We've been told what to do. Come. Come to me. The call comes from Jesus. The call also comes to all. You notice that? Come to me, all who labor. No one is excluded. I, I love that Jesus doesn't limit or specify the nature of the weariness. He just says, come. There's a person and there's an exclusive invitation. This person is Jesus. The invitation goes to all. Come, all. No one excluded. And and here's one trouble I think we have. I, I have this trouble sometimes. I think sometimes we assume we have to deal with our weariness on our own. And then when we feel stronger, we come to Jesus. Right? We do this with our sin categories, and we also do this with our fatigue categories. So we, we sort of try to handle it. We identify the nature of weakness. We try to, to isolate. Here's really the problem. We try to go through it and list the things we ought to be doing. And then we bring those to the Lord for approval, don't we? We say, Lord, is this what you want me to do, right? And Jesus' invitation is come, come in your weariness. This happens to me all the time when I'm, I'm in conflict and I'm struggling with my wife. And I'm, I'm angry and, and, and she's trying to help me with something, but I'm frustrated at her. What, what I would rather do is go away and kind of get good and get in the right place. And then when I'm calm and a little bit in a stronger place, I'll come back to her and say, you know, I noticed I, I, was, I was giving in back then. I was weak back then. And, you know, I gave in to my sin. And I just wanted to point that out to you. Why? Well, because it's embarrassing to come when you're still all covered over with your apparent weakness. We don't like that. very. I don't like that very much. Like... I don't even have to admit this because it's obvious, but I'm really weak right now. I'm sinning and I'm struggling. and I I don't even have to tell you because it's obvious, right? It'd be like jumping into a swimming pool with all of your clothing on and then going and saying, I'm wet. (laughs) Thanks for clarifying. We we appreciate that. Thank you for being clear. We know you're wet, right? We're very aware of that, that you're wet. What I'd rather do is go get all dried off, cleaned up, then I come back. You know, it's the funniest thing happened the other day. I fell in the swimming pool. I was all wet. We don't, we don't like coming at the point of weariness, coming at the point of weakness, coming where we're still not sure what the picture looks like. We're not, we're not sure what the, what the right thing to do is. We're not even sure what's going on with our heart and why we're struggling. We, we don't like that at all. I'll figure it out, Lord, and then I'll come and I'll tell you what his problem was and then you can tell me that I'm right, right? That's what we kind of do. Instead of coming when we're weary, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary. At the point of your weariness, come. Come to the Lord. The call comes for all. There is a place for evaluation, evaluating our hearts, evaluating a situation, all those kinds of things. But the place is at the feet of Jesus, right? not outside in the corridor. It's Jesus that leads the weary heart. It's Jesus that comforts the discouraged soul. 
It's not our own minds that creates the solution that then we bring to him. No, we come at our weariness. What a, what a wonderful news. You don't have to fix yourself first and then come to the Lord. The call. The call comes from Jesus. The call comes from all. What's the condition? The condition is that you're weary. You're heavy laden. And these kind of weariness, these burdens, they can come from without or they can come from within. They can come from without because we live in a fallen world. Don't we? We, we live in a, a broken world. And, and, and burdens come from without. Actually, this passage, it touches on a broad biblical theme. Weariness is a result of the fall. It's a result of people being removed from resting on God. That was a major part, if not the major part of the curse of the world, is that your normal functions of life are going to produce weariness. Work will no longer be joyful. Work will no longer be joyful. Your different spheres of ministry and influence are not going to be joyful and easy anymore. It's going to be hard, painful, burdensome, not delightful anymore. And so these burdens come to us from without that they're not always the result of just some decision we made. Sometimes they're just a result of living as a sufferer in a, in a fallen world. And people sin against us and, and things don't work out the way they should. And bicycle and cars and washing machines break and jobs are lost and people forget your name. And all these burdens come from without. That's why when God said to the Israelites... Follow me and I will let you enter my rest. I, I want to bring you back into this wonderful land of rest. It wasn't just a, a geographical promise. It was a promise of re-entering the delightful place of dependence we were meant to be in all along. That's why he, he challenges the, the recipients to the writer of uh, the, the, the book of Hebrews. And he says, strive to enter the rest of God. Don't keep going away. Out there is the, the desert of burdensome trouble. In here is this delightful garden of rest for your souls. It's a broad biblical, biblical category here. Rest is found in God. Labor is found outside of God. Labor that's burdensome and wearisome. Burdens come from without. They also come from within, don't they? We, we create our own burdens, right? We create our own burdens because our sin is basically a taking on an idol rather than resting on God. Isn't that what sin is? I see this object or this outcome and I say it will give me rest. And it promises rest. This thing I want my kids to do. This thing I want my wife to do. This thing I want my friends to do. This outcome over here. And I say, I, th I think that will give me rest. And the idol promises rest. I'll give you relief. Just pick me up and carry me for a while. We say, very well. So we, we pick it up and soon we realize, this, is, this isn't restful at all. But we ask the idol again, are, are you sure you're going to give me rest? Yes, I will. Just keep fighting for me. Keep living for me and I'll give you rest. Sometimes that's food. Sometimes that's entertainment. Have you ever had the experience of, of sitting down to a television show or a movie thinking, I'm so tired, I'm, I'm just, I just need to relax. And you, you watch it and then, and then it, you don't feel rested. So then you watch another one. And you don't really feel rested then. You watch another one. And then you go to bed and you're like, I'm still just exhausted. You ever had that experience? I had that experience. It's, I started saying, I'm exhausted, I need rest. I need rest, I'm just tired. But then, I, for some reason, I didn't feel rested at the end. I love movies, I love TV, I'm not, I'm not downing those. I'm just saying sometimes we look to them to provide a kind of rest that, that only can be found in Jesus. We do that with all sorts of things. 
Burdens come from within. We, we feel weary. But this is the condition. This is the condition that Jesus is issuing the call to. This is the condition. Come to Jesus. Why? If you're burdened. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm burdened, but it wasn't really my fault. It came from the outside. That's okay. Bring that burden. Well, I'm, I'm burdened, but it was my fault. I can't, I can't come. No, no, no. Bring that burden too. Bring whatever burdens are yours because you're not in heaven. Any burdens that you can point to and say, well, I wouldn't have this in heaven. Oh, good. That, that's you qualify. Come right now. Is it a burden from without? Is it a burden from within? Bring it. Bring it to the Lord. Again, go back to that image, that little baby resting on his father's shoulder. The father doesn't want the child to say, you know, this is awkward. I actually caused this. And so this is, I, I, you know, I, 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 this weight is too much. I mean, I caused this problem. Rest. Or to say, well, this wasn't my fault at all. This has something to do with you, actually. I think because you're, you're the, in charge of this whole thing. You caused this. I'm, I'm actually frustrated with you. So I think I'm going to try to stand on my own. Why don't you rest? Why don't you rest? I made you to rest. This is true of us when we become Christians. It's also true of us in our ordinary pilgrimage of life. To say it rather shockingly, but I think biblically... God made me to be weak. Ouch. Ah, oh, that's, a, that's a painful thought, isn't it? God made me to be weak. It wasn't an accident. Now, the fall amplified my weakness. It increased my burden. But even before the fall, we were going to be dependent on the Lord. It's just we were going to delight in that place rather than resist it. God wants me weak. God wants me dependent. Go to the place of your life right now that you feel the most vulnerable, uncertain, weary, needy. Isn't it a a painful but helpful thought? God wants me dependent. He doesn't want me to suffer. He doesn't delight in pain and evil. But he wants me weak. I'd rather be weak and with the Lord than be feeling strong and with myself. Burdens come from without, they come from within. But the Lord relieves our burdens. That's the promise, isn't it? He relieves our burdens by taking them on Himself. He will carry. He will save. He will restore. This is the God who delivers his people out of every burden and every trial. This is the God we serve. He doesn't communicate this call and this condition and then have nothing to offer us when we come. No, he comes with strength. He comes with willingness. He comes with the promise that all of your burdens from without and from within, I will remove and take them on to myself. I will restore you this this promise that is the great hope of the Christian. I will bring you into everlasting rest. If you feel weary and discouraged in your weariness right now, kind of fallen weariness, you know what's going to happen? I'll bring you into the rest of heaven. Before you know what's happened, you'll be there. So, So brief. This weariness is so brief right now. And the weariness of your sin, I'll take care of that too. It's going to cost me a little bit more, but I'll take care of that too. You may know the book Pilgrim's Progress, but it illustrates this beautifully. 
Pilgrim says, Now I saw in my dream that the highway that Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall. And the wall was called salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came at a place somewhat ascending. And up that place stood a cross and a little below in the bottom a sepulcher. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden was loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble and so continued to do it till he came to the mouth of the sepulcher when it fell in and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, He hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then he stood still a while. To look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. He looked, therefore, and looked again until springs that were in his head sent the waters down his cheeks. Now as he stood looking and weeping, three shining ones came to him and said, Peace to thee, thy sins are forgiven They stripped him of his rags and clothed him with a change of raiment. The third set a mark on his forehead and gave him a roll with a seal upon it and bade him look on it as he ran that he should give it at the celestial city. So Christian gave three leaps for joy and went on singing, Thus far did I come laden with my sin, nor could aught ease the grief that I was in till I came hither. What a place is this! Must here be the beginning of my bliss. Must here the burden fall from my back. Must here the strings that bound it to me crack. Blessed cross, blessed sepulcher, blessed rather be the man that was there put to shame for me. Every burden, the reality of the fallen world, the reality of a God whose holiness needed to be vindicated so that a new creation could come, And your personal sin was loaded onto Jesus Christ on that cross. Everyone. No burden from without was not reconciled by his death. No burden from within was not paid for in full. Jesus Christ who makes this offer makes it knowing that he will take every burden. He doesn't ignore them. He doesn't say they're small. He doesn't say they're insignificant. He doesn't say get over it. He doesn't say just keep going. It's not that big a deal. He doesn't say don't you think I have bigger problems than your little needy issue here. No, he says, no, I, I, I know what this will cost to make the invitation. I know the weight. I will bear it all. All you have to do is come. If, if you're a non-Christian here this morning... This is the message of salvation. You can bear your own guilt, shame, and the reality of a fallen world alone, or you can give all of that to Jesus and let him carry you to heaven. That's the message of salvation. We that are Christians here, let us encourage you, get in on this. It's much better. It's much better. We have troubles. We have trials. We have burdens. We we struggle. We're weary. Sometimes I think we're, we're, we're wearier than the person next door. We might be weaker than you are. Sometimes I think maybe that's why God chose us. Because we're hoping, you're thinking, well, I mean, if, if they can get to heaven, then I can make it. I, I, you know. Great! I hope that encourages you. If God can love me, he can love you. That 
go your burden. Give it to Jesus. The weight of guilt and shame and the, the struggling with the realities of a fallen world. Jesus, Jesus handled it all at the cross. He carried it all. He bled for it all. Grace Church Frisco. Your name means grace. I, I asked my daughter a question. Honey, what does grace mean? His goodness to the people who need to be punished. His goodness to the people who need to be punished. That's who you are. You know what Jesus says? Come to me. I will give you rest. What burden do you have? Is it your sin? Is it others' sin? Come to him. The promise is rest for your souls. Come to Jesus for rest. Rest is the hope of the Christian. Rest is the need of the Christian. I can just make one application here. How do you do that? What does it mean to come to Jesus? Let's be a little practical. Tell him, I'm coming to you. In the Bible, that's called prayer. Pray. I need help. I'm weary. You say, come. Give me rest. Pray. Just pray. Pray isn't some magical, mystical, spiritual thing that only like, you know, super duper Christians can do. Just talking. I'd encourage you to say it out loud. Because it helps you realize that God's listening. Because if you can hear it, surely God can hear it. That has to be complicated and be difficult. Just say the words. I'm weary. I need help. Give me rest. Help me. Help us. Strengthen us. I don't have anything to give you. I can't pay you for it. I just need help. Lay your head down in prayer on his shoulder. Relax in prayer. If you're anxious, if you're worried, if you're bound up in concern, lay your head on his shoulder. I think a word of encouragement comes from Philippians where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. It's helpful to realize that ongoing, lingering worry, lingering anxiety is saying no to the invitation of Jesus. Allowing worry to linger in our souls, it's just saying no. I'd rather worry than rest. Rest. Pray. Lord, the world is in your hands. My problems must be such a light and insignificant thing that you choose to carry anyway. Pray. Rest in Jesus. The second blessing we receive, surprisingly, is that we come... To serve. They come to serve. This is where if you're, if you're paying attention, you would think, wow, um, that's an odd switch. I'm ready to rest. Service isn't what I'm expecting here. I'm sure that's probably what they were thinking when Jesus continued. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Yes, amen. I love rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn for me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to serve. Now, I think certainly, and the Bible would encourage this, that there are seasons when the vast majority of what we're aware of is just the rest part of this. Certainly. The absence of weariness. Come to the Lord. Come away to the Lord for a while. 
But in the normal course of Christian life, rest from service must give way to rest in service. Rest from service gives way to rest in service. Now, this is completely countercultural to an American community, certainly. <laughs> but in the Bible, the authority of God is the place of rest. And, and we have this wonderful illustration in our children, don't we? I mean, you know that experience where the, the child's resting on your shoulder, and for whatever strange reason, they don't want to go to sleep. I mean, they are exhausted, and their eyes are closing. Their whole body is saying, go to sleep. And sometimes you're saying that too. Go to sleep, please, go to sleep. That's what you need. You'll be so much more joyful if you go. You'll be happier. You will be happier if you go to sleep. But you know that little struggle. The eyelids, they go down, and you just feel the little nature. No! They go back up. They go down. No! They go back up. And the little body, it starts to relax. And it's, no! Right? And you're just sitting there thinking, this is crazy. You need to sleep. But why would you not want what's good for you? They might ask us the same question. A parent telling a child, ultimately God, telling a child, go to sleep. It's authority. You don't get to stay up forever. You don't get what you want in that sense. You're not God. But trust me, you don't want to be. That'd be devastating. Go to sleep. Obey. Serve. Submit. Take my yoke on you. But my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Rest. Obey. Have you ever noticed the surprising terminology of Psalm 19? You know what I'm talking about. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. <laughs> surprising phrase at the end. Reviving the soul. True rest comes in submission. True rest comes in submission to the word of God. The point here, the humbling point here, is that Jesus is comparing his followers to the oxen that would take a yoke on them so they could labor. They could labor. They could obey him and accomplish the mission that he gave them to do. They could fulfill the plowing of the earth and the sowing of the seed that he gave them to do. He has a mission for them, but he's promising, look, if, if you will submit to this calling, if you'll obey my word, in that you will find rest. Biblical rest is not kind of an American version of relaxation and entertainment and uselessness. No, rest comes in submission, in doing, in obeying. And you know this experience, don't you? You fight and resist. I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't like that. That's hard. And, it's, and you're just struggling. I'd rather be relaxed. I want to relax all the time. Why can't you let me relax? Right? You're just not relaxed. Being angry about relaxing. And then you, you obey. And what happens? Your soul relaxes. Right? Your flesh squeals, but your soul rests. Take my yoke upon you, it says. Learn from me. True rest comes in submission. Submission to the will of God and sovereignty. Submission to the word of God and obedience. It comes in submission like a, like a yoke that is fit perfectly. Like the law of the Lord that creates pleasant boundaries. 
Like a father telling a child, it's much better if you obey. Johnny Erickson Tata says it this way, When I was on my feet, big boisterous pleasures provided only fleeting satisfaction. In a wheelchair, satisfaction settles in. As I sit under an oak tree on a windy day and delight in the rustle of the leaves or sit by a fire and enjoy the soothing strains of a symphony, these smaller, less noisy pleasures are rich because unlike the fun on my feet, these things yield patience, endurance, and a spirit of gratitude all of which fits me further for eternity. It is this yieldedness. It is this yieldedness. We might say for our passage, it is this yokedness that gains you the most here on earth. Real satisfaction comes not in understanding God's motives, but understanding his character, in trusting in his promises, and in leaning on him and resting in him as the sovereign who knows what he is doing and does all things well. Let me ask you this. What is keeping you from God's word? What is keeping you from God's word? Whatever is keeping you from God's word is keeping you from rest. The law of the Lord, the authority of God's word, is whatever is keeping you from God's word, it's keeping you from rest. Rest is right here. It's right here. Now it's humble rest, it's not proud rest, it's humble rest, but it's right here. It's, it's right here. The boundaries, inside them, there's pleasant places. Think maybe of an area of your life where you're pretty sure by the Holy Spirit, if, if he was to come right now and get in your seat and kind of sit next to you and say, this is an area, you're seeking rest outside of my word. The Lord Jesus is inviting you, take my yoke on you. Feel the lightness. Feel the easiness. Feel the joyful strength of service and submission. Feel the delightful sense of honoring God the way you were meant to. Feel the rest I'll give you in service. Whatever's keeping you from God's word is keeping you from rest. What's keeping you from God's word? Is it entertainment? Is it food? Is it work? Is it... What's keeping you from God's word? What's keeping you from going here with a heart of submission and bending your neck to this delightful yoke? What's, what's keeping you from God's word? There's rest here. There's rest in God. Relax. Bow the neck. Receive God's word. Well, that's what I need. What's keeping you from God's word? De- decide that whatever is keeping you from God's word, that, that's, a, that's a lying idol. Throw it aside as a terrible yoke. And come to the yoke made by the greatest servant of all. And that's the point that the passage ends with. My yoke is easy. You will find me lowly and gentle in heart. True rest comes from the greatest servant. Jesus isn't asking us to submit or to rest in ways that he didn't. He's asking us to do it in ways that he did. I'm gentle and lowly at heart. You will find rest for your souls in my yoke. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I I know what it means to fight the fallen world. I, I know what it means to face temptation. I know these things. I know the burdens, the guilt, and the weight of sin being poured out on me. Not because I'm sinful, because I felt yours. Come to me. Feel my rest. Come to me in submission. Come to me in servant. You know what you'll find? You'll find me to be gentle. You'll find me to be lowly in heart, meek in heart. 
And as you come to me in obedience, come to me for rest, you know, you'll find rest for your souls. Because I'm the Savior who brings you to rest. Moses couldn't do it. Moses couldn't do it. He, he brought him right to the edge, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't get him in. But I can. I can. You know why? Because I submitted to the end. Moses re- rebelled and he couldn't bring the people into the promised land. Jesus submitted so that he could bring us in. He submitted to the yoke of the cross. He let the cross be placed on him. And that yoke makes our yoke easy. And so the one who bore the yoke of the cross says to you, what what do you you have in your life right now? What burden from without? What burden from within? What's being placed on you? Come to me and, and feel submission to my word. Feel rest from the shepherd who cares for his sheep and leads them to green pasture. Feel rest from the one who bore the great burden and now gives you a burden that is easy and light. You'll find rest for your souls. You won't find a taskmaster giving you bricks without straw. You won't find a slave master calling you to do what you cannot do without giving you the strength. No, you'll you'll find a savior who will give you rest. You'll find a redeemer who will take you out of your place of fallen, burden, weary, sin-driven existence. And you'll come into this place of faith that will one day be sight. A heaven for your souls awaits you in the invitation of Jesus. Come, find rest for your souls. Octavius Winslow says it this way. If you have fled to Jesus as a poor, empty, believing sinner, there is not a throb of love in his loving heart, not a drop of blood in his flowing veins, not a particle of grace in his mediatorial fullness, not a thought of peace in his divine mind, which is not yours all yours inalienably yours as much yours as if you were its sole possessor Grace Church come to Jesus for rest you will find him gentle and lowly in heart come in prayer come to the word he will give rest to your soul let's pray you've been listening to a message from Grace Church for more information visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.